episode 666 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? That was the most energy that you've had in the Hey Everybody in quite some time. Well, this is the number of the best episode. <laughs> Do we have uh, our exclusive interview with Blackie Lawless lined up for this? I think we do. I think we do. Okay. Oh, that's funny. As long as you didn't say number of the least. Oh, I would never say that. This right, is the I, best show I do after the Patreon one in the After Dark. And No Chance in Helmet. Oh, don't forget about that one. Were you ever on it? And, and Porch Talk. So the, and, and we're in the top five. Well, you know what? You just mentioned my top five favorite podcasts, Joe. (laughs) (sighs) Well, what do we have to discuss on this week's Todd's Top Five uh, Favorite Podcasts? Um, In news, uh, day and date comics, uh, bargain basement suicide squad news, Joe. Wait a minute. And uh, second free comic book day news. And maybe a smidge of casting news. Um, There are no conventions this week, at least no conventions that don't have a Facebook page. Um, What we read last week, which was I Hate This Place 10 and Peacemaker Tries Hard number three, all Kyle Starks. Um, What we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues where we'll be reading. We're reading Sandman. Uh, this week is Death, the High Cost of Living, number three, the final in that many, and Sandman number fifty. Um, and finally, at the end of the show, spoiler-filled talk of the latest episode of Secret Invasion. Yeah, I think I hit puberty at the end of that intro. It's about time. Yep. Uh, yeah. So again, uh, just in the news stuff uh, here. Uh, as Todd mentioned, over on the DC digital platform, uh, under normal circumstances, it's a six-month window from the time that something hits print to the, to the time that it hits uh, their digital platform, DC Universe Infinite. I know Marvel has reduced it to either three or four months, right? Uh, but it looks like... Um, Last or this upcoming weeks, like as we discuss this, uh, Night Terrors and Night Terrors Batman are available day and date on the Infinite Ultra app. Right. Wasn't Day Terrors Batman this week, though? Well, no. It was, okay. Well, um, right. So, okay. So that's what I'm saying is um, it was in there to be able to be read like yesterday. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was confused on it. Because right, because well, I say yesterday. Uh, today, the DC books come out on Tuesdays. Or am I talking about? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Last week's uh, Night Terrors First Blood and last week's Night Terrors Batman. My apologies. Right, because Night Terrors One comes out this week. And not confusing at all. Right. Um, but yeah, so those two came out day and date last week. I don't think any of them came out day and date this week. Right. Um, we are not digital folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't mind not being up to date on stuff, you're a Marvel guy, you're a DC guy, person, what have you. Um, I see all the time Marvel is pushing like $5 for the first month. 
uh, DC's thing is like eight bucks, and you get a bunch of other stuff with it as well. Uh, it's a lower price for the year. Like I said, I'm not pushing, but you know, if you want a back catalog of like Vertigo stuff, right? You can't go wrong with the DC one. Um, you want to put on like a miner's hat and try to make heads or tails <laughs> of what's been going on in the X universe for the last year, two years, five years. You know, and you have a month to spare, throw it on five bucks and have at it. Right. Because nobody's taking the time to explain the mutants in a minute. But no. yeah, uh, that, it is a good I mean, it is a good deal. If like especially if you don't have a a uh, local retailer near you. You know what I mean? Some people don't have access to go buy this stuff within a month. The trades take a while to come out on series. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 good for some people if that's your thing but you know we have a great shop and i like my floppy so yeah i'm doing it that way and again none of the night terrors books um came out as uh none of them are returnable to retailers so again i don't think it was officially announced ahead of time saying like hey you can go check these two books out here day and date to try to boost up the digital platform sales and like I said, I don't think they did that with this week's Night Terror books. There's at least like six of them. Right. So that might be cutting off their nose despite their face sort of business, you know? Yeah, you don't want to do it too much. You want to give it to them and be like, oh, maybe somebody will be like, oh, I'll get it just to try these books or whatever. And and then down the line, they'll want to read more of Night Terrors. Yeah. Uh, so Todd had mentioned no conventions this week. Uh, and I said there were no conventions. There were no like big enough conventions for me to add to the list. Well, I know what you mean. I was just, yeah, I know how you hate a good Facebook page. Right. So, you know, obviously if you have broken links, you go to a Facebook page. Um, but my qualifications is you have to have at least three guests that interest me. And most of the conventions that are happening this weekend, and there are conventions happening. It's just, uh, you know, I'm the one who picks them. And like each one is like, here's one, here's two, Uh, nothing's really knocking my socks off. Uh, Let's just pretend everyone's waiting to San Diego next week, right? Yeah. Because we've been seeing a lot of the publishers announcing that they're going to be rolling out some big panels this weekend or next weekend for San Diego. I saw celebrities and stuff are going to be there, and I think we had postulated a week or two ago with the writers' uh, strike going on Mm -hmm. that we might be seeing some more people crossing the lines to do comics. Since there is no Writers Guild uh, whatever's for that, you know? Right, there's no union for comics. Yeah, and some of the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives have been coming out as well, and nothing's really been striking my fancy. Um, I know everyone was joking in the Discord that the AEW uh, exclusive is Sting, and he comes with his signature coffin. You know, the coffin that he's world famous for. I thought it was for playing bass for the police. No, you're thinking of a different sting. Oh, God. I would love a, a police sting action for mm. with a coffin. I was going to say, can't you just buy a John Constantine and take the jacket off? Ooh, that would work, but yeah. then DC gets sued. Uh, but when I was looking over the exclusives, I saw one that was right up Todd's alley, where right. it combines two of his favorite things. What are Pins those? and Doctor Who. I do love pins and I do love Doctor Who, and it is a good, nice little TARDIS box set of the TARDIS over the years, right? That is what it is, yes. 
Um, that would be something if I was there and I had the money. It'd be like so far. That's the only uh, exclusive that like would have gotten a whiff of my money if I was there that mm-hmm. I had seen yet. Um, but you know, not there. I could, you know, uh, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not something that I would go out of my way to get. I'm also not, you know, with me lately, it's been the year of monetary management, Joe. Mm. Um, but it's also starting to be, uh, the year of fiduciary frugality. So I'm trying to really like rein it in with me. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, but again, you know, if you see it out there on the secondary market, it's a halfway decent price. You know, I don't know. I say treat yourself. Um, uh, Adam sent me a link for, for, uh, Amazon that they have an exclusive Captain Carter pin set for like eight bucks. And I'm like, that might be more along my lines of grabbing. So uh, I was trying to find the direct link off the Hasbro site for it. You speak about Adam, your co-host on porch talk, my co-host on, uh, ad outs with wrestling that I don't know if it's a San Diego exclusive or it's just coming out soon. They're doing the Captain Carter shield replica. Yeah. That's like the, uh, the, I don't, it's not, it's not, is it not Mintel or Hasbro? Uh, It is Hasbro. It is Hasbro. They did all the shields already. So they have like the, the comic one, the movie ones, both the, 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 the black and blue one nighttime one. This is the exact one like that, but with the union Jack on it, uh, I don't know. Maybe Joe. We'll see when that right. when that goes half off. I'll 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 think about it. I just know Adam is a, like he has all the shields, or he has a bunch of the shields. You know. Right. Yep. Yep. I'm wondering if that's the one one of them he'll pull the trigger on. So right. Uh, so yeah, like I said, you know, there's still time for stuff to get announced. Uh, nothing's really striking my fancy that I really need. Uh, but you know, hopefully everyone who's going to San Diego has a good time and gets everything that they need. You know. Yep. Yep. Now, uh, you had mentioned about uh, Fake Free Comic Book Day, a.k.a. Halloween Comic Fest. Or a second Free Comic Book Day. A second Free Right, second Free Comic Book Day. Now, Marvel announced their slate of titles that are going to be coming out. Uh, they have a reprint of a recent uh, Amazing Spider-Man. They have a reprint of a recent Moon Knight. They have a reprint of a recent Star Wars. They have a new uh, Spidey and his amazing friends, like the little kid show that's on right now. Like they have brand new whatever of that, right? right? Uh, they also have a reprint of the first issue of the Kelly Sue DeConnick Captain Marvel book. Okay. Um, and I always so. There is a new Captain Marvel book coming soon. There is a new Captain Marvel book that was very heavily lauded that just wrapped up or is in the process of wrapping up. But I always find it so funny that when Marvel goes to their reprint of the Captain Marvel stuff, they go with that Kelly Sue DeConnick book, which is a book now that's 11 years old. Well, I mean... I don't know, maybe it's the the, uh, the cover that they like. Who knows, you know? But you could just have a new cover made. It's just, like, it's a good story. I'll give them that. And I'm sure that they're releasing it because it's going to be out. They want it on shelves in time for the movie that's coming out this the end of this year as well. Right. But I noticed something else with this uh, announcement, Todd. What? I, I know you typically don't pay attention to these things. You say it's called Second Free Comic Book Day. I called it for the longest time fake free comic book day, but they gave it an official name of Halloween comic fest. 
then I looked at the, the, the print thing that Marvel sent out, and they're calling their thing Trick or Read. Right. Great and name. Great name. And they're sending their books out the first week of October, as opposed to the last week of October, which is typically when uh, it'll be like that last Saturday in October. Right. So is Marvel going into business for themselves and trying to do their own Halloween thing with the free books? And then in turn, is this the test for them to maybe do their own away from everyone else free comic book day in 2024? I don't think so. I think it's really just to get the books in people's hands, uh, like the retailers early, and then they can do whatever they want with them. But not the uh, separate branding doesn't uh, stick no, why, out? No, why, why would it? Why wouldn't it? Why, why wouldn't you want to stand out in the market? Okay. You know, have, have your big red and yellow Marvel colors, you know? Well, they're doing the same colors as the other logo for this, but I get you. I get what I'm saying. I, was I get what you're saying. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, you know? Not me. Not me. Yeah. I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I just feel it's standout, you know? Okay. Now, uh, also, Marvel just announced big rollout, big press release, big everything today, that coming this December, they're doing a new Thunderbolts book. Right. Now, I know you made your cute little joke at the beginning in saying that it's fake Suicide Squad. Mm, unfortunately, that's what the book has become. <laughs> and that's not what it is at its heart, right? Right. Now, this is by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, who are doing the current Guardians of the Galaxy book, right? Right, right. And, again, rightfully so, they're doing a Thunderbolts team. That looks like the Thunderbolts team that was set up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <gasps> synergy. Right. And, you know, great idea synergy, of course. You got a lot of characters that maybe haven't been seen a bunch uh, in the regular comics, and you could kind of shape them a bit to fit whatever ideals you have for them in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the way that you've placed those things there. Um that Countess, that Contessa, whatever, that's played by uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus is getting a push into this, you know? Right. But, again, always a but, this is to tie into a movie that doesn't come out for another year after this. So they're really priming the pump, hopefully. So it's uh, a series that'll definitely be going on when the movie comes out. Let's cross our fingers, and it'll look exactly like this when the movie comes out, so it looks just like the movie, right? Mm -hmm. If they play their cards right, they'll have at least two trades in the stands for people to pick up the weekend that Thunderbolts comes out in December of uh, 2024. Right, and it will be on their, uh, what is it, the, the, the digital thing, too, so... Yeah, yeah. Push that, you know? Um, again, I, I, we're, I feel we're so far away... From what Thunderbolts actually is, that it the word has lost all meaning. But I'll be picking this book up because I get I, every Thunderbolts number one, right? I, I know, because I get every Suicide Squad number one. When, you right. Know. Yeah, that's all I have to say on that is I just feel, you know, like you said, it has become, you know, Suicide Squad. They just they're just ripping that off now. And it yeah. wasn't, like you said, when it started. It was an interesting no. idea, but you can only do that interesting idea once. And then it has to be a villain team every time, you know? Yeah. 
Or it's not even, like, villains, because, like, it's kind of like, ah, uh, Red Guardian's Russian, so I guess that makes him bad, right? He's a uh, communist, Joe. The yeah. most evil villains on Earth. Sharon Carter was bad a couple times in the TV show. Black yeah. Widow was bad. Winter Soldier. It's people that have been good guys for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, um, we've gone back to our old ways, and we're going to have a new team, and our new team is going to be other bad people that haven't been bad for a while or just misunderstood, right. and we're going to be an Avengers team, but we're going to do the jobs that the Avengers can't do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They can get their hands dirty, Joe. And there was just a Thunderbolt series that was kind of interesting and it was led by Hawkeye and it had you know a bunch of unique characters and it was an interesting plot in the whole you know New York City appointed heroes because they were outlawed in New York and there's a miniseries and that just we're gonna be ignored I guess or I don't know we'll, we'll get the um the page one or page whatever of the Morrison uh, JLA, where they're just like, well, we haven't been putting out a JLA book, and we're just going to kill off the team in the first couple panels, panels so we can bring the big guns in. Yep, yep. I'll say this. Uh, Thunderbolts, shooting for kind of decent. Mm. As Joe said. Let's, let's, hope they, they, let's hope they hit that mark, you know? <laughs> yep. Uh, last but not least in the news, of course, uh, hot off the presses right before we started recording here. Um, you know, obviously we were inundated with people telling us, giving us information, etc. in regards to this. But when it comes to new stuff in the DC Cinematic Universe, I personally like to wait for the Jimmy Pistol tweet. And Jimmy Pistol did indeed tweet out that there are going to be other DC superheroes in the upcoming Superman uh, legacy film. Uh, we have Isabella Merced, uh, who you would know from the recent live action Dora the Explorer movie. Right. You're supposed to say, I don't know what any of that is. Oh, I know what Dora the Explorer is. But did you know there was a live-action Dora the Explorer movie? What's better for the bit, Joe? All right, <laughs> no, fair I enough. I did not know. Uh, so she's going to be Hawk Girl. Okay. Uh, Edie Gathagi, uh, who you would know from the Twilight movies. I don't know that one either. And he played Darwin, the only mutant that was killed in X-Men First Class. Uh, the guy who's immune to, who can adapt to everything, anything yeah. that could kill him and it would he would survive. That's the guy they killed? Yeah, I remember that. Uh, he's going to be playing Mr. Terrific. That's cool. I hope they, I hope they market the jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they'd be, well, listen, if we, if we know DC and we do, <laughs> they ain't marketed anything. Or if they do... It would say, uh, fair play, F-I-A-R play. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Print jacket. Uh, but last but not least, Todd. The big dukeroo. The big dukeroo, one-on-one. Uh, Nathan Fillion, who you would know as one of the Jimmy Pistol crew. He always gets into one of the movies. 
He played a bit role in the Guardians movie. He was in Slither. He was in all these other things. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, what was the TV show that he was in? Castle? Castle. He was on Firefly. And right. in the movie Serenity is Malcolm Reynolds. Right. Well, you say Reynolds. He is going to restore pride and honor to the silver screen version of Green Lantern by not just playing Green Lantern. No, no. He is going to be playing Guy Gardner, Green Lantern. The best Green Lantern. Yes. Um, and you know what? You know, people are asking me how I feel about it. I like it. I will say, if this we had turned back the clock, he would not be my first choice from Firefly as Guy Gardner. I always thought back in the day, Adam Baldwin would make a great Guy Gardner. Um, but yeah. I just got- I looked at him Baldwin up because, you know, the whole uh, I can't think of what the character's name was on the show, but he had that cocky brash, whatever. But he's, you know, 60 some now. I think, you know, maybe Nathan Fillion a little up there for it, too. But I'm not I'm not I don't hate the idea. I just hope they don't make him a complete goof. You know what I mean? Even though he is sometimes, I, I want to see what they do with them. And the fact that I do own three copies of GL59 makes me very happy. Uh, right. Now, I will say this. You know, this is not a slight on the other two actors. Again, I'm very unfamiliar with them. But Nathan Fillion being in the movie, and this being a Jimmy Pistol movie, and this being a Superman movie... I feel as though the Guy Gardner thing and the Hawk Girl thing and the Mr. Terrific thing are going to be more or less glorified cameos. I 100% uh, believe that, too. But if they give him the big puffy boots, I'm 100% open to it. And then that opens the door to Justice League International, the movie. I Listen, I want the puffy boots. I want the jacket. I want the special ring. I want the bowl cut. I want all of it. Uh, you're t- you're preaching to the choir, Joe. Yes. And can you imagine that that bull cut wig they're going to give him, Joe? I feel as though Nathan Fillion is currently growing his hair out as we speak, so they <laughs> right. could cut it into a shoot bull cut as opposed to a working bull cut. Right, right, right. Um, and I I would be remiss as you know we we tease and we poke and we prod and we say how poorly DC markets their films. Um, over the weekend, and it's still currently going on now, um, a lot of the fan base are taking up that DC is doing a very bad job of advertising the upcoming Blue Beetle film. But, Joe, they're going to have a food tie-in. No, well, <laughs> listen, uh, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit when I've been had, Todd. You got had, Joe. Uh, listen, it's not the first time, it's not the last time. Uh, we've got them on both, both coasts. Um, but when I saw the picture of the blue beetle, uh, (laughs) Burger King burger, it was like, if I saw the, like, and I, I have a whole bunch of them all collected here, you know? Right. Um, if I saw the Photoshop of Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie going to see blue beetle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I saw the Times Square mock-ups of Blue Beetle, if I saw the KFC double down with the blue chicken patties, right? <laughs> right. If I saw the Nintendo DS game, um, you know, I, I if I saw the Tom Cruise saw Blue Beetle and loved it thing. Right. 
if I saw any of these, I'd be like, all right, ah, you're working me. I got you. Listen, we're all having fun, you know? Mm-hmm. But when I see a Burger King tie-in with an ugly-looking sandwich, it's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> it might even be a strong possibility. <laughs> but I was going to call, and I this is the good show, so I have to be careful. I was going to call uh, something on it because I was like, there's no way that it's going to be at Burger King because Warner Brothers doesn't have anything through Burger King. Right. Anymore, I don't think. And they just had the Spider-Man uh, and stuff like that. That just seems, I don't know, like certain companies go certain places if they were going to do it. You know what I mean? But I could be wrong. Maybe Burger King had something uh, Warner Brothers related that I'm missing. But you get my meaning? I do. Though um, a blue bun is a possibility after that red bun. So, Well, I, and again, listen, I, you know, in splitting hairs, they make different deals with different whatevers. Um, you know, because like the, the Disney Marvel stuff goes to McDonald's, um, the Sony Marvel stuff goes wherever they go, you know, but if it took, if it took DC a month and a half to put a second trailer out for the movie, they ain't scraping up enough merchandising coin to even get like a blue bun Arby sandwich or something. Oh, I would love a blue Arby sandwich, and I've eaten a few in my time. Yeah, well, as long as they don't put a blue beetle uh, hamburger on a hard raw, I'm good. Show. Right, exactly. That's a bridge too far. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I'm gonna go see Blue Beetle in the theaters. Um, okay. God willing, opening weekend. Um, I, I like the character. I like the idea. Um, he's a legacy character. Um, and if y- you didn't get the feeling that DC had given up on Shazam 2 and that they didn't give up on Flash, you, they're really giving you the feeling now, five weeks out, that they've given up on Blue Beetle even before the movie has, is out, you know? I don't know. I think they're really going to give it the push soon. I think they're waiting until all this Oppenheimer Barbie buzz dies down in two weeks. Right. That's the big, you know, like everything. Which, I mean, not to get off on a Barbie Oppenheimer rant, but why do we have to compete against them? Why can't we go see them both? Right. I remember the day when, like, two or three blockbusters or, like, big-name movies would come out in the same weekend. Yep. uh, These are two movies that I plan on seeing, and I may have to flip a coin to see which one I'm going to first, just because I like them. They both look interesting uh, equally, but for different reasons. My my kid and my niece and my nephew have already told us that we're going to see Oppenheimer, so that's what it is. That's right. Cillian Murphy, you know, yes. that's what all the kids love these days. Right. My my nephew asked for a Cillian Murphy lunchbox mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. par- his parents asked him any specific movie. And he said, no, no, just a fan of the actor himself. So, OK, I can't wait until all your kids are running around saying, and I am become death and I am become death. Uh, to peel back the curtain, I, Oppenheimer is so off my radar. I, I know it's the next Christopher Nolan movie, and that's about it. 
Um, I'm a, uh, this all should be after dark talk. I'm a sucker. I really loved the movie fat man and little boy yeah. about the, the, the making of the bomb and stuff like that. And it fascinated me. That's a really great movie. Um, I highly recommend anybody seeing it just to get like a tertiary knowledge of the making the bomb. Hope I use that word correctly. But, um, so the Oppenheimer thing really has me like interested. Just, I like Nolan and I like the, the story and it seems like it could be good but there's something about Barbie that I can't put my finger on that I really like well, you're, legally you're not allowed to put your finger on <laughs> it but uh, John Cena's in the movie that's what it is is John Cena in the movie? Look John at that Cena's guy. in the movie yes right. I don't want to give away who he plays in the movie but mm. <laughs> so uh, again, we're all over the place just because one piece of the show is missing. There is no convention talk, so of course, go listen to shows on the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Uh, anytime any of these shows go live, of course, you can find them at their individual websites, uh, their individual podcatchers, however it is that you access podcasts i saw somebody this weekend say that they found rss feeds useful and i just nodded my head approvingly you didn't uh screen cap that no listen that's one more one more for the good guys right uh but you could go to soon to be named network at any time any of the shows in the network come out or any time any of the people from those shows go on other shows and they let me know you could find them there and that includes this show of course that you're listening to now longbox heroes longbox heroes after dark adults with wrestling puzzle warriors 3 profane arguments we need wrestling final wrestling place wings on wings hiabussy which i always forget about but they just had a new episode this past weekend uh ed got swatted unfortunately uh hope that works out for him and uh, you can go back to the catalog of stuff, uh, defunct shows, shows that haven't put out episodes in a while, uh, shows that hopefully should be having a new episode at least come out with the upcoming football season. Uh, but anytime any of that stuff goes live, you could find it over at soontobenamednetwork.com. Mm-hmm. You can also check out some of our other friends in and around the internet and all their uh, doings. You can go check out Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. Uh, I think he's going through something of some of the best indies of the 80s. Uh, he did have to take a little bit of a break. Uh, he did have some medical issues. And I think if you follow him on many of the social media platforms, you can go check out ways that you could help Mike out there. Go check out our friend Kevin's blog at masklibrary.com. Go check out Rick Williams, the chop shop at free karate chops.storeenvy.com where he has uh, stickers and pins and all sorts of like uh, little pl- and again, I, I, I say resin, but they're not resin. Um, they kind of are whatever the material those old muscle figures were made out of. Right. Yeah, he's got a lot of like sci-fi fantasy wrestling things that are themed off of those. Uh, you can go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter over at his Indiegogo. It's kind of just an a la carte thing. The campaign has ended. Uh, it's well over $8,500. Uh, I know Jason recently posted up some shots of the issue at the printer. 
Uh, and I think it's going to be shipping soon here. Like I said, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but he posted up less than a week ago that it is printed. So let's go, right? Right. Uh, go check out Chris Runt's Battle Monsters over at his website, FortressOfComicNews.com, and his podcast as well. Uh, our good friend Davey of the band Cave People uh, self-published a comic with artist Rosovia. You can pick that up at KeeperComic.BigCartel.com. You can go check out our friend Becky and her original art on her social media that is linked up in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. You can see some of the art that she puts on the packages if you sign up for the mail order subscription service from our comic book shop, Comics on the Green and Beautiful downtown scranton but i think we got two weeks left at the very least of pushing this the store exclusive variant cover for titans upcoming conan the barbarian number one uh with art by comic book legend mark schultz who you would know from the indie comic cadillacs and dinosaurs and so much more uh, he did a store-exclusive cover for Comics on the Green and even worked into the cover of the store mascot, the heart and the soul of the store, and that would be Max the dog. Yeah, and Max was under the weather this week. Oh, uh, he got a little something on his leg and he, he was going at it. So they had to, you know, give him some sedatives and take care of it. So he was sad this week. So go out and buy that issue and lift poor little Max's spirits. We want to sell out, Joe. We right. want to sell out. I think he said, other than Babe Ruth hitting a home run, <laughs> he wanted his variant cover to sell out. That's right. Yes. Uh, and all the links to all of this stuff is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Uh, Todd, let's get into it. Uh, what are you, uh, what uh, what did we read this past week? Where would you like to begin? You know what? I'm going to shake it up a little bit. I want to start with Peacemaker Tries Hard, number three. What? Oh, yeah, throwing you off your game. Uh, I kind of want to do this one. Written by Kyle Starks, art by Steve Pugh. Last we left our... I want to say intrepid hero, but I'm going to say inept hero. Um, he, you know, has been busted up, and we get a bit of a flashback of him talking to his father. And while John Cena might not sue for this book, Robert Patrick may have threatened to because we get to see his father in only silhouette. But to me, it's, you know, the Robert Patrick character from the show, and we get a bit of what happened, and it'll play of him losing his bike and how someone who can't stand on their own isn't worth anything, and that plays into the rest of the story. Uh, Peacemaker has survived the attack by Mijur Mala from uh, last month, and he goes into this, like, redneck dive kind of bar and patches himself up in some new and interesting ways with his wounds, and the people there want nothing to do with them. They may be a bit close-minded is a nice way to put it. Um, and he ends up basically giving the rundown of the story, has a bit of a breakdown, and that's when the return of the most pushed DC villain team in recent history, the Demolition Team, returns for another go-around. Uh, 
you know, uh, things happen. It's fun. You know, it's obviously what we've been getting. And then we get, well, he's like, I'm doing pretty good here. It's time for me to go get my dog off these, these, these jerks that have wronged me. Let me go. And he ends up running into his parole officer who starts giving him a hassle. And we get the bit of what is going on with the parole officer. And it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and if, he there's a certain I can't read it in here, but there is a great line that uh, the uh, when we find out who the parole <laughs> officer is, if that's not his new catchphrase, then w- what are we even doing here, Joe? And you know the phrase I'm talking about. But I'm having so much fun with this, and uh, like I said, now I'm even I have another actor's voice in my head while I'm reading it. Yeah, um, I, 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 everything that Todd said is a beautiful book. Um, I would say that the artistic choice to obscure uh, Peacemaker's father's face was done intentionally, as yep. opposed to for legal reasons. I'm joking on that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will say the silhouette of his head looks exactly like Robert pa- Patrick's silhouette. So It looks more like the T-1000, but I get you. Right, yep. Um you know, we get, you know, a down on his luck and, you know, that like moment where Peacemaker's sitting at the bar and he's kind of like weighing everything that's happened to him and, you know, everything that's happened kind of in his life to just this one moment that he just recently had with Monsieur Mahler. You mentioned about the bar um, and you say that it might be a little bit of a closed minded bar. Uh, obviously, I, as they're saying, uh, to Peacemaker when he comes in, they're like, oh, we don't want superheroes in here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel as though that might have been worded a little bit differently in the original script. <laughs> Maybe. Yep, Maybe. yep, yep. Um, but, you know, it's a six-issue miniseries or a five-issue miniseries. I'm not 100% sure. DC doesn't do a good job of uh, letting us know these sort of things ahead of time, Right. Right. Uh, but we're either at the middle uh, or we're getting to the middle. So this is the part where our hero needs to pull himself up by his bootstraps, um, get Bruce Wayne back, and I'm not giving any clarity there. Right. And I will say, um, as you know, you had mentioned before, the parole officer officer shows up, and just from the solicitation, I feel confident in saying this because it doesn't give away a ton. It just says that. His parole officer, Richard, has a colorful, costumed past. Yep. And I will say that the clues have been there the previous two issues. Yes, they have. <laughs> and I, Go ahead. Yeah. It was just one of those things where it just kind of like knocked me for a loop. And he, they do the reveal, and I'm like, oh, it's been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he has the power over just one thing. Yep. <laughs> oh, so good. From the covers and from the guy that they stole the uh, Deathstroke DNA off of. This is all is I think there's going to have a lot more Golden Age ties into it than what we were originally expecting, which I love. I 100% agree. And by the way, this is number three of a six-issue miniseries. Six-issue. I was. I knew it was a miniseries. I wasn't sure if it was five or six. Right. And you know that website that I always use for my books, and we kind yeah. of butt heads on what's coming out when there's a mistake on one of them. Um, I will say, for the most part, I would say 90% of the time, 
in the in the text, like the clickable link text, it will if it's a mini series, it will always tell you what issue of how many, which is something I really like about that website. If I'm going to Lunar's website, the distributor of these books, mm-hmm. and they can't be bothered to clarify that for me, or the publisher themselves at DC, and they can't clarify that for me, then all hope is lost. Eh, we'll see. If I'm right, then you know I'll take my victory lap. But there you go. Uh, and then, of course, the other book that we both read from this past week. Uh, that we we're both looking forward to was I Hate This Place number 10, series finale, uh, written by the aforementioned Kyle Starks with art by Art Yum Tiplin, or Toplin, rather, my apologies. So, again, this is the finale. They close everything up. Or do they? They do. Um, right. So, um,. This is not a knock in the book. The overall product, I think if I read this all 10 issues in one time, one complete collection at once, Mm -hmm. I feel as though I like the tone of the first five issues more than the tone of the last five issues. And and like I said, I'm I'm with you totally on that um, because I'm not going to knock out. I love the book. I but. I felt the time travel, like the giveaway came so late in the book. I felt it turned from a horror book to a sci-fi book. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to explain. It was like, okay, I I went in with this mental thought and then it got kind of flipped on his head, which I thought there would have been more, more. We would have got like uh, longer on that. There would have been a third act kind of a deal, but it was like, oh, okay, we're going into the home stretch. And I'm fine with it. I loved I loved the story, but it was just, oh, okay, I have to switch gears here, if that makes any sense. Right. And the heart of the book is Gabby and Trudy's relationship, right? Yes. And the beginning of this five-issue arc starts with Trudy's father coming to bring Trudy back. And we get a lot of that backstory and the horrors that are involved with that. And I think that's where I come down as well as where the time travel stuff just kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's just, it's such a tonal shift that it was like, okay, now I got to get ready for this. And now two issues later, the book is over. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so without giving too, too much away is that Trudy's father is here to herald in the end of the world. It's tied in to the house that Gabby and Trudy have been living in, they inherited, what have you, and the prophecies that Trudy's fathers have because of the time travel stuff all state that it's Gabby is the one that has to bring about the end of the world. Obviously, Gabby is an unwilling participant on all of this. Trudy is doing her best to reunite with Gabby, you have some of the folks that have died over the last several issues returning in ghost form. And then, of course, you have the big bad, which is bigger and badder than even Trudy's father, right? And everything comes to a head in this issue. Um, again, I, I feel as though we're not doing the finale justice, but I feel as though as a finished product, all 10 issues together, this would read much better than... You know, and it, that's just the way that sometimes a serialized format works is sometimes it feels and reads better when it's all said and done in one complete package as opposed to, 
you know, how the ending happened here. Still yeah, enjoyed I, the book very much, but like I said, the time travel stuff just, you know, unless Kang is involved, I'm not a big time travel person. Unless uh, TARDIS is already involved. No, I'm, I'm a big time travel guy all the time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. And there's nothing else, you know, that I could add. So yeah, without spoiling too, too much of it, but we just kind of did our best to get you caught up. And, and like I said, they do say it's the series finale and I had my fingers crossed that they would leave like a window open or a door cracked that maybe we could revisit or come back to this world. And, you know, maybe there is, and maybe there isn't, let's just say right, that. Right. Um, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with four correct guesses. You are four ahead of me with 22, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. I'm looking over your list. And is the book you're looking forward to most World's Finest Teen Titans number one? It is not. Oh, what is it? Um, The book I'm most looking for. Yeah, let's not get too much to spoil yours. Uh, the book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is Night Terrors number one. Oh, okay. Um, You know, we didn't talk about it in depth, but I liked the first issue. Um, I liked what was set up. Um, I could see the art putting some people off. Right. Um, but I enjoyed it. They do a very good job of if you, I, so the, the majority of the people that are in this book are Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Dead Man, John, uh, Dr. D. Those are the main people that are in that first book that we read from this past week, right? Mm-hmm. They do a very good job of letting you know who these characters are and where they are currently in the DC universe. Doesn't dwell too, too much. It gives a passing mention to the past crossover that just happened. Right. But we all know, whether it be just in general or those of us that have been doing the Sandman reread with Dodd and Joe have issues have known that Dr. D had Morpheus's Dreamstone. Well, it turns out that he's also had a Nightmare Stone as well. What? Yes. Uh, and that is the crux of our storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was a very good introductory issue, a very good primer um, to what this event is. And it's only two months um, I'm excited. I, mm-hmm. I I like the first issue, so I'm looking forward to the second one. Gotcha. Now, looking at your books, did Todd tip his hand with the Teen Titans book? Uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that you are also most looking forward to Night Terrors number one. I am. Yeah. I didn't want to tip it because I didn't know how you felt about the book. You know what I mean? Yes. And I kind of went into the mind that we didn't talk about it. So you didn't enjoy it. So I was like, (laughs) oh, okay. If Joe didn't enjoy it, I'm not going to put it on the list. Do you know what I mean? Like we got two books we enjoy. So why like run the risk kind of a deal. Um, But everything that you said, I kind of, I really liked. I even really loved 
the Batman one shot, which was also Joshua Williamson. Mm -hmm. That was really good where like once, you know, there's a whole bit and I'm not going to spoil it where, you know, uh, Batman, you were like, oh, Batman doesn't get scared. So what nightmares is he going to have? And it's not that he's he, he has nightmares. It's the fact that he can't wake up because something happens in the first book. That puts dead man in his body. He's like, I trained for this, Boston. I can get out of this if you would just leave my body. But he can't hear him. So he has to live out the nightmares. And I'm like, oh, Batman has a plan for it. But dead man screwed it up. And here we go. And I'm like, I'm enjoying this so much. Um, I, I did the elevator pitch at the store. I don't remember if I was talking to you or not. Just the fact that I like like an easy. It's like, oh, okay, this is what the heroes would have nightmares about. And I'm like, that's. Great. Whatever the story is around that, beautiful. But I'm looking forward to it um, just because, like you said, it's four issues. I'm getting the issues that tie into the writers that I like, except for Flash. I'll buy anything with Flash on it. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to Night Terrors a lot. Cool. Um, and that's one of those things where, you know, I always have an idea book that we talked about last week, unless we didn't like it, or a book that we were looking forward to. Uh, the Peacemaker book has been a surefire hit. Um, and I always leave it up to you, open-ended. You know, you can come back and say, how about this? And I can come back and say, no, I didn't like it. Or, no, I didn't read it. Or, you know, whatever, that right? Be contributing, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I'm trying here. I'm trying out here, right? That was on me. Well, next right. time well, I'll, this, I'll... well, this is where it's your time to shine, Todd. Yes. Uh, because while you're over at Longbox Heroes, of course, you can check out everything that we've done previously, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the current ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues, as we are doing a full reread of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. And we're not just reading the main 75 issues of the title. We got miniseries, we got one-shots, we got stories that are printed on sides of statue boxes. We got it all. And then I turn the show over to Todd, and he gets to discuss the finale of the three-issue miniseries, Death, the High Cost of Living. And then we'll get into uh, Sandman number 50. Right. Um, and just before we start on, on Death number three, this is a book with a also with a variant cover that a lot of people don't know about. Um, the reason is, the original book came out, and two of the pages and I'll get to them later, were uh, misprinted, basically. What happened was it was supposed to be a two-page spread, and they printed the first per page on the front page, uh, front of a page, and the second page, which was supposed to be left and right, on the, on the other side, so it didn't make any sense. You're supposed to follow it from the top and then follow it from the bottom. So when, they did, when DC reprinted it, they just gave death copies of death the high cost of living three to retailers and it has no price tag on the cover so that's how you know the difference between the misprint and the regular one is if you have one with the price on it it's screwed up if it doesn't have a price it's not screwed up and i i assume that because there was so one because there was a misprint mm -hmm. uh dc requested those misprinted copies to be returned and everyone returned every single one I highly doubt that because I know I have uh, multiple copies of the misprint and multiple copies of the regular one. And um, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, and I'm glad this would be the first and last time that DC would mess up the printing order of one of their books. 
This isn't, and I didn't really go over it. This isn't even the first time Sandman has been misprinted. Um, I know, like, an issue along the run was had panels missing. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm not going into it on that one. But Sandman had a bit of, like, I have a couple of the error copies for Sandman issues. Gotcha. Um, but that's just me. That, that's one of the few completists in me. Um, so this book uh, starts out with Matt Hetty in Death's apartment, you know, Death for the Day's apartment. And she's looking for, uh, you know, real tea because she needs a cup of kind of a deal. And she ends up going downstairs to Mrs. Robinson's. I believe that's her name. If I'm wrong on it, I know it's in the book later um, and gets uh, some uh, real tea from her. Uh, and Miss Miss Robinson is watching the Home Shopping Network, which uh, Sexton in the first issue had decried as just as bad, if not worse than the World Wrestling Entertainment. Right. It's not worse than I'll say that. Um, so we cut to Sexton and death, you know, trapped by the Aramite. Um, and he's like talking to, to her and asking uh, why she thinks she's death. This, this thing, like somebody doesn't just wake up in the morning and go, I'm the spirit of fire or the Easter bunny or something. And she's like, because I am. And he gives the, the rundown of like, no, I know what happened to your family. And she's like, listen, uh, I understood it all this morning. It was fresh and clean. And, you know, now that I've been in the, around for the, for the day, it's kind of murkier. And she ends up giving the, the text. It's like written kind of a deal um, about her coming to life once a year, which we've read, I think one or two times in the comic. And I believe it's almost, word for word uh kind of a deal um and he's like oh uh he's like i she's like i did she apologized i didn't mean to get you into the mess and he's like you didn't he did um and the onk that the guy wanted the the guy with no eyes and she ends up saying that's the Ariamite. i at least think that's what he calls himself now and just to do a little backtracking as i said the four issue mini of books of magic, which I did not add to this. Um, Neil Gaiman's kind of come out and said at the end of that book, long story short, at the end of the universe, when death is locking up the universe, Mr. E, who's one of the four people um, in that book kind of attacks uh, Timothy Hunter, books of magic, magic person kind of does. And, and she sends Timothy home but she says Mr. E has to walk home the long way. And this is maybe an alternate version of that character. Um, and that kind of makes me wish I put that mini in, but I'm glad I didn't because it's one panel for all that kind of a deal. Um, so he's, he's trying to, Sexton's trying to work up a plan. He's like, oh, well, maybe uh, we could rummage through these things and I could, he's blind. So I could throw something at him and maybe hurt him. And she's like, Oh, you're, you're like, you know, you're a marksman with a Russian doll, the Russian doll that they were playing. Um, and he's like, yeah, at least I could throw it kind of a deal. Um, and he ends up looking for stuff and she's like, are you just trying to cheer me up? And he's like, sure. So he ends up finding some marbles. He's like, maybe I can put these down and he'll he'll trip over them. She's like, oh, and I like the way Death thinks. Like, oh, he could get hurt. He's like, uh. She's like, oh, yeah, right. Kind of a deal. Um, so uh, they're talking about they're both tired. She's like, because she hasn't slept. She's falling asleep. They fall. And as somebody comes in, they're like, oh, my God, like, this is it. And it's Mad Hetty. She ends up slipping on the marbles, which she calls Aggies, which is what I call marbles. Um, and we get the bit of, it's like, how'd you find us? 
she's like, oh, I wanted a cup of tea. And, you know, I went down to, 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 to your neighbors and she gave me the tea and they actually had tea leaves and I could read them. And she was like, oh, well, you know, tea leaves. It, it, we had to look around for you because tea leaves are general. Livers and entrails. Now that's for specifics. And I'll always <laughs> remember that, Joe. So I know what to do uh, when that happens. So I, just to interject. So, you know, obviously in my head... I don't think did what didn't Mad Hattie didn't make an appearance or did she make an appearance in the Netflix show? She did. She made an appearance in the Joanna Constantine episode. Oh, okay. Which is right. the same issue she makes in the comic. Right, right. Okay. So in my head, of course, obviously because she's mad, she's got an accent. Um, I hear in my head reading this how she should sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> that line about livered entrails. In my head, reading that line, that's the clearest that she speaks. Right. You know, because that's serious business. That's something she knows. That's something that she could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that's something that you cannot call her on the carpet for. Yep. And, uh, and I, I totally agree with you. So sex is like, there's a, you know, we got to call the police. And I like the neighbors like, no. It's six in the morning in this part of town with a dead body on the floor. We'll leave. I'll find a payphone and I'll, you know, I'll give him the Iggy, but we are out of here. And then when we get home, little girl talking to death, I'm going to chew your butt off. You know, like it's never been chewed before. And I love that. Like death cares. She's like, Oh, you're a deer. You know that because she cares kind of a deal. So, uh, uh, they, they leave. And now here's like my moment. Not only did, you know, did they badmouth? wrestling in the in this death the high cost like she needs breakfast um because she's hungry so they go where do they go joe the, well they go to mcdonald's to get the thing that i talked about on after dark this week right <laughs> no no they didn't they went to a bagel shop oh and she's gonna get a bagel with uh some lox and cream cheese and a glass of orange juice um and he's like, I like that. He's like, you want the knock? And they're like, the best. There's like, no, I have the best, please. And they end up, you know, uh, kind of talking, uh, sexting. And and if you notice something, there's something that's very nonchalant through these next couple of panels. They only show up, but I'm not going to say anything till we get there. But I noticed in one of these panels. Um, and they're talking, and the Eremite shows up. And he ends up, you know, like talking about, I'll have the sigil of power. I'll unlock all the secrets. And, you know, you will not, you know, you will not escape. And she's like, oh, we're going to meet again, don't we? We always meet again. And I always meet, you know, somebody. Obviously, meaning when he dies, I'll be there. And I love the bit. And it's anytime this happens in a comic or in a movie when the villain, who's supposed to be the baddest of the bad, and he's just rambling. And the owner of the, the restaurant place comes up and he's like, oh, are you looking for a handout? And he ends up, you know, rambling off what she is and how bad he is. But he looks like a kook, even though it's all true. And the person always goes, goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, get out of here, you loony kind of a deal. Um, and I don't know why that always works for me every time. So I like that bit. And she's like, okay, time to go. And he's like, what about the check? And the guy's like, no, no, no. You know, you go. You, you uh, had to deal with that crazy guy coming in. You know, God forbid you go out there and say that this happened, you know? Right. And like, you know, and we only know that she has $10 and some change on her. You know what I mean? So he's like, you go. And she hasn't paid uh, for 
for everything else. And he's like, free breakfast. Uh Uh-huh. You really never pay for anything. And she's like, I told you, I pay. Everybody pays. He goes, but he has your your sigil. That's the power. He's like, he's right, of course. It's the symbol of life, and symbols have power, but it's not the way he thinks. It's important, but... You know, it's not you both. It's the most important thing in the world, but it's not how it works. And they go to a street vendor and they end up finding another onk. Um, and she's like, OK. And then and sex is like, just give it to her. You're just going to give it to her. Uh, so just do it. And she's like, how much is this one? And he's like, to you? And she's like, of course, to me. Ten bucks even. And I like the bitch. She goes, it's it's not real silver. And he's like, for 10 bucks, you're lucky it's real metal. And she's like, it's a nice one. Thanks. And she goes, so that cleans you out. She's like, oh, I got a couple of cents left. You know what I mean? So now she has her onk back, if you will. And I'm doing air quotes. Right. Um, and another thing, just to interject here, end of this page, those bottom panels, some of the most iconic images from this book, reprinted everywhere, ads, merchandise, etc. Yep. Um, so, uh, he ends up, you know, having a conversation with you, uh, a conversation with her is like, so what happens when you die? Is there heaven and hell? Is it, you know, reincarnation, nirvana, or do we just blink out? She's like, if I was really deaf, do you think I'd tell you? And she's like, I, I, I don't know what you're going to do. I said, if, if I was walking with you, if a hundred peng- penguins came down the street, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, even blink. And she says, you know what, Sexton, underneath, you're pretty okay. He's like, yeah, underneath your, and she's like, yes. And he's like, you ever notice how much things better are after a good breakfast? And now Sexton's what he's been contemplating and everything. He's kind of, and I will say in that panel, when he says, well, underneath your, and he doesn't quite smile, but it's the closest that we've seen in a smile in two and a half issues. Sexton's an angst ridden nineties teenager. He doesn't smile. And will he before this whole issue's over? But um, I like that. So they end up saying, like, she's like, let's go to, to Central Park. And he's like, okay, if you're not going to tell me, you know, that, like, how's all this going to end? Are you going to convince, how are you going to convince Mad Hedy you found her heart? She's like, oh, she'll know. And this is when Sexton opens up, you know, more to death. And he's like, you know, uh, he's like, oh, I came to Central Park. And he tells more about his, uh, his family, how when they were, you know, fighting and kind of, you know, they used to come to Central Park for fun and all she was, you know, she, he would wish that magic would keep them together. Uh, and he, he wished, and he, but then that's when I found out there wasn't any magic because it, that never worked and I kind of wished I was dead and that didn't happen either. So they're walking around, they see rats, like, and she's like, oh, my sister had rats and my goldfish and everything she's talking about. And she's like, you know what? I had a good day. And she's like, you like all the stuff that happened with that crazy guy? She said, not that, but the the good bits, the bad bits, the dull bits, and the painful bits. Okay, I get what you're saying. The whole thing, very profound. And, uh, and she's like, I like this place. It's quiet. And, and I like, you know, a bit of peace and quiet. And I like you too. It's really nice here, isn't it? And he's like... And she's like, here. And he's like, what's what's this? He's like, it's what I've got left. It's for you. It's, you know, two coins. He's like, ah, funny. I'll put a deposit on my first car. And she says, Sexton, I had a lovely day. She's like, no, please. And she just ends up 
dying in the fountain. And Sexton's like talking to her. She's like, oh, you're a wacky kid. You're going swimming. And that's when she, he's like, oh, my God, what happened? And the Aramite shows up. He's like, she's, ex- she's escaped me. He's like, oh, if you hurt her kind of a deal. He's like laughing. He's like, nobody can ever hurt her again. Like, you know, no man can. He's like, give me the pennies. He's like, what? He's like, give me the pennies. These is like, yes. He goes, there, boy, that's the cost of a life. It's like, I cannot, uh, I can wait. She can't escape me, boy. One day, too, I shall die. One day. And that's when we cut to the two-page spread. And this is the pages that are mixed up. And it's her talking with herself um, because death comes and takes her and it's an aspect of herself. And the bit here is beautiful because Death, the the one who lived, let's say, um, is like a child explaining, like, it was wonderful. Like, if you take a kid, everything is an adventure. And she's like, you know, I did this. It was wonderful. I got to breathe. I got to eat. All sorts of stuff. I could have gone on forever. And the the regular death is like, it always ended. What gives you value? Um, when you get to be alive for even a day, well, there's only one way to stop living. And uh, the alive death was like, I see you're right. Regular death was like, are you, was it worth it? And she's like, I, 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 I don't know. I think so. I hope so. I met such neat people. And I heard a song and went in a taxi. And I had a hot dog and a bagel. And I wish it could go on forever. And that's death being human. Like, even when she begs not to die that she knows she's going to, it's a great, great scene. Um, one of my favorite. Um, and uh, do you have anything to say about this? Or, cause... Again, um very subtle, very powerful stuff. Um, the transition, of course, from the death who lived and the death who we've known. Um, how the two come back together, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we get like another iconic panel there. Um, where, you know, the way that they kind of differentiate things a bit is the death that we've known in the scene and so forth is the one wearing the leather jacket. And maybe her skin isn't as pale as our death, the death that we've been following since her debut. Um, and then we get that page where the two are holding hands. Mm-hmm. And it's just our death holding the slightly less white-colored hand. That's another panel that is, like, infamous from this book. Right. The smiling death, like, holding her hand is great. Yes. Um so we get to like now Sexton's recalling like he's home and he's on the stoop talking to the boy in the wheelchair and he ends up saying like Mrs. Robbins explained it to me that she had a, like a defect in her heart or whatever and it was like it was only a matter of time and she was dead before she hit the water um, uh, and that she had been sick since it was a little girl but Dee Dee never said anything and you know but he's like I almost believed her. I almost believe she was what she said she was, but that would make me crazy. And while he's doing this, he's holding the Russian doll that he's been, that they had from when they were trapped. And if you go back and look, it's only in like two or three panels. Like it's on the table at the bagel place. And then there's kind of a shot of death wandering around with it under her arm. And he ends up leaving it, uh, uh, with the, the the little boy, and he ends up, you know, contemplating uh, over death because, like, when he lost his fish when he was a child, and uh, once again, you know, just kind of uh, discussing that, and he ends up getting called to lunch from his mother, and his mother's like, "Oh, hey, um, 
you know, I just, while you're here, uh, Hazel uh, called and he's like, does she want her job back at the restaurant? He's like, no, she just wanted to say that Fox got the deal at that, uh, got a recording deal at the club. Oh, he's like, that's great. Uh, did they have the babies? Like, no, any day now. And uh, she said, you're invited over for a celebration party and to tell you that someone was coming that you want to see again. And she's like, oh, that bozo from the record company. He's like, so like, I don't think so, darling. She said something about gloves and kept giggling. And he's like, oh, gloves. And this is the only time we see Sexton smile, which I absolutely love. And it shows hope for, like, Sexton's future. And I, I feel like he's made, made the turn in his life, if you will. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously, well, I'll wait till you get to the end and I'll give, you know, our thoughts. And I think, you know, what the, the thought on all of this is, you know. Right. So Mad Hetty's wandering around and she's in the hallway and she comes to come the boy in the wheelchair and she's like, oh, like, you know, uh, she does like a little poem or something like that. And the, the Russian doll, and she's like, uh, th- there it is. And she ends up opening it. And in the Russian doll was her heart. So death did find it. And now she's off to hide it again someplace. No one can find it. And I feel like here we go again, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like the wheel turns, if, if if you will. And then we get that last black panel with the onk, which is just the way of saying Finn, you know what I mean? Which is a great way. So uh, end of the miniseries. Yeah. So, you know, and, and Mad Hetty says like, oh, if only I got a chance to talk to her again, maybe I could have asked her someplace uh, harder to hide it oh, that doesn't matter, there'll always be a next time sort of thing. Right. Um, so, you know, obviously the crux of this miniseries on its face, uh, in the solicitations and the everything is, you know, death spends a day amongst the living, right? Right. Um, you know, obviously what death ends up doing is is spending her day convincing somebody else to live. Right. Um, and obviously everything that kind of interferes uh, with her attempting to do that. And whether she sought Sexton out or not, whether she just happened to be in the right place at the right time, uh, as all these pieces are coming together. Um, but when you look at the series like that, and to see that whatever her mission was, whether it be getting her onk back, finding Mad Hetty's heart, which were the side quests that she had, um, and it's one thing to save a person, in this case Sexton, from killing himself, but it's another to get him to appreciate life, to right. reconnect him with people that are already interwoven into the Sandman universe with uh, Hazel and Foxglove, of course, and the connection there. That These are characters that the Endless have touched before. We introduce new characters to get everyone together in a way to show Sexton that there is more to everything to just, than just being miserable. Right. And, like, there is merit to what you say because, especially in this issue and, it, you know, in the closing issue, when he's like, how can you be deaf and be Dee at the same time? And she's like, it all made so much sense, more sense this morning. So if she was going to know about Sexton and be able to help him, it would have been in the morning when she found him. You know what I mean? Like, because she understood everything. And then she seemed to get, like, less and less. She get, got to be fuzzy on it. So if she was like, oh, this is my one shot, I'll help him out. Because I probably won't be able to do it by the end of the day. If you get my meaning, I totally uh, agree with what you said. And especially the bit 
about like if this was any other writer, like Foxglove and Hazel showing up in this would have been like just would have been cliche or done some weird way. But whenever somebody from the book before shows up again, it doesn't feel happenstance. It feels natural. And I go, oh, I miss these characters. I want to see what they're up to now. And it's refreshing instead of being like, oh, we were done with these characters two storylines ago, three storylines ago. It, but it's like, no, it's like, hey, Fox, Love, and Hazel are back. How's there? And all the questions Sexton asks are the questions I ask in my head because the characters are almost real to me, Joe, because this is a documentary at this point. So, yeah, love all that stuff. All right, well, let's get into issue 50 then. Um, written by Neil Gaiman, of course, with art by Craig uh, P. Craig Russell. Craig P. Russell? P. Craig Russell. P. Craig Russell. Right. So this it takes place in Baghdad. The, you know, the, the Baghdad that in every fairy tale that you kind of know. Um, and it's about the king. And I'm going to kind of just hit the high spots in early part of the book because he spends the, the, the first part of the book describing his life about how perfect it is, how perfect his city is. It's the jewel of the world. It's, you know, this. It's a magical place with magical things. I have everything at the tip of my fingers. I have my advisor and I have my bodyguard to, like, get, help me through life. I have many people who will make me happy certain ways um he has storytellers and he has people visiting him and if he goes out into the streets there's you know uh the, everything is a story in this literally like the uh, a thousand and one arabian nights uh because anytime you meet somebody it's like oh the story of how these animals talk and later on when they're in the bazaar it's like these are the stories of these grapes like how they got here and it's he 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 almost lives in the, you know, a thousand and one uh, uh, Arabian Nights. And the, he ends up... But go ahead, the sorry. one bit I like the most as, you know, and again, I forget, you know, and again, whatever the king's name is, as he's going over everything, right? And you mentioned, <laughs> um, you know, he's got magicians and astrologers and enchanters and poets and musicians. And then he gets in the part where he's like, I even have strange prodigies, men with the head of animals, animals that speak like men, marvelous mechanical wonders. So it's like, okay, it's not just a retelling of what would we imagine as an Arabian Nights era tale. Now we're throwing the little bit of extra fantasy stuff in there, a little bit of the extra surrealism, if you will. Right, right, right. Um, and I and I mean more than that too. Like the stories, like if the stories, if there are a million stories, but everything kind of a thing. And he ends up, and everybody's trying to get him out of the funk, and and he's he's not doing it. And he ends up asking his uh, word spinner. He's like, "Is this not the greatest city that has ever been or ever will?" And he's like, "But he, like it it worries me that you know uh, will this be forever?" And he's kind of like. You know, there, there's a possibility that all things pass, and he's like, "Like, leave me!" Like that kind of puts him on edge. Like the the things on Earth don't last. So he ends up making a trek through the palace, and once again, I'm not going to hit on all of them, but he goes down. And he just keeps getting deeper, and he has this gold key. 
goes past his harem. He goes past his torturers. And I love the, the one that kind of that, that sticks with me is like, ah, he goes past, you know, the, the thing. But now he's so far down that the people who are waiting for mercy are left in vain and their beards white, their eyes desperate and mad. And he does a good job of like, you know, just the, the, the how abandoned they are and they have no hope. And each door, you know, is there's all these different doors um, from, you know, big ebony doors to little tiny uh, doors. But they all opened with the, the key of gold um, to a door of fire to treasures. There's one room that just has eggs uh, and it has a black egg and a white egg that they're the ones that the phoenix is reborn in the, in the uh, tales. And from the white egg, the new phoenix bird itself comes from the black, nobody knows. So finally, he gets to the like the depths, and he finds this 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 orb with the you know with the seal on it. And he ends up taking it, and I like when he's coming back. He's like he knows a different route, um, but nobody else knows these routes um, because all the people who built this place were gone after they did it. Um, and he goes for it's seldom healthy to know to healthy to know the secrets of a king. Which is a great, which is a true, true line. You do not want to know that. Um, so he gets up to like the roof and the uh, of the towers, and you know this is that magical kingdom. There's like stars and comets and you know wonders to behold. And he ends up saying, "I'm going to interject here." As um, Harun uh, makes it to the roof, um, this is the first time in about halfway through the book. That we see someone speak in a little bit more clear of a text. Right. Uh, it's all, all of the narration is done with more of a script style. Yep. Uh, which I typically complain about and hate. Right. Um, but it works in this issue. Yes, it does. I, um, I would have, you know, like if it had been a little harder maybe, but Todd Klein, the letterer in all of this, this is why he was winning awards at the time, his best letterer, you know what I mean? Right. From, as we always said, all the endless have their own unique ways of talking from the lettering to this. So he goes up to the roof holding the orb and he says, like, he's the king, um, but I want to talk to the, the king of dreams, lord of the sleeping. And he summons them and he ends up telling them that in this orb is, you know, uh, was sealed thousands of years ago. And in it is, I don't know how many uh, demons in it that have made it their goal to wreak havoc on man and their minds and our dreams. And he's like, I made it. I made a note. It's 9,009 demons, jinns, and ifrits. Right. Uh, So he's like, uh, and I want you to come. And if you don't, I will shatter the globe. And there's that great shot. He only does it a couple of times where the king is in silhouette. One is when he realizes that Baghdad probably won't last. And the other time is when he's like, very well. And he gives it the, the what for, Joe. And he ends up throwing the orb off the tower. And you see it falling. And there are three great panels of the orb coming closer to the reader. And in between is the orb, you know, falling with the ground in in, in scope to show you how it's getting closer. And then the final shot of the demons with such glee that they're finally going to be released. That might be my favorite panel in this uh, whole book. But then there's two hands that just reach out 
and grab it before it happens. And one of my favorite looks for Morpheus is the Arabian night look in the long flowing robe with this, with this, you know, the emblems on it. And he catches it and he's just like, you have called me here and I have come. And, and this panel here, you mentioned the Arabian night look, him holding the orb, another iconic panel. Yep. Um, and he kind of asked him, was he's like, you know whom you've called. He's like, wine for our visitor. And I like earlier in the story, they say it's Ramadan. And, you know, the king's like, oh, wine. He's like, you know, no food during Ramadan. And wine is frowned upon by the prophets. And I like that he repeats this back. And he's like, oh, you are of the faith? And he's like, I am of all faiths in my fashion. I have no wish to take wine with you, though. Now you should uh, tell me why I should not leave this place now, taking with me your ball of little nuisance. Also, I might add, now remember, this is long ago, Morpheus, you know. I might add, taking a recollection of being summoned uh, uh, is, you know, as summoned like a steward, uh, I am no steward, and I mislike summonings, which is a foreshadowing to issue one, you know what I mean? He doesn't like it, and he's going to like it even less in a few, you know, few years. Um, He ends up, you know, know, the king's like, oh, I kind of ticked him off, and then he ends up putting the orb in his robe, which that, the first panel of him holding the robe and, the, and having the orb far away from it, not halfway in, that's the Ramadan Morpheus statue that I have. That's exactly where it's taken from. Cool. With the, uh, yep. the robe kind of like half opened yep. up there. I'll probably post the picture when I retweet the, uh, the, uh, the post. You know what I mean? Awesome. Yep. So he ends up, he's like uh, uh, asking him uh, questions about uh, a genie. He's like, I'm uh, trying to put the genie back in the bottle. I'm, I'm a genie. I'm not a genie. And, you know, be careful. Like I said, you, you can't just dismiss me. And he's like, are you threatening me? And I like Sam. He's like, I do not threaten. I merely uh, advise caution. Um, and he's like, well, I have a bargain for you. He's like, oh, if we're going to do a bargain, Let's go to the marketplace. He's very well. And they clap their hands. He claps his hands and his uh, servants bring him something. And it's a flying carpet. Um, It just looks normal and tattered, but it's been, you know, in the family forever. And I like he says, it's uh, threadbare in appearance and unimpressive, which is really cool. Because usually you think of these things as elaborate tapestries. You know what I mean? Um, And he tells them to like to look at the city and he kind of the wonders and they go down and it's kind of cool. Once again, we see all the stories in the marketplace from the people bickering back and forth to the fruit vendor. Um, and he kind of offers Morpheus, you know, uh, fruit. And once again, he's like, it's Ramadan. He's like, I pass. And he basically says, what do you see? And he's like, you know, I, I, I see, you know, a land of miracles. And he's like, would you buy it from me? He's like, I mean, not, I don't want, you know, mortal land. Like, that's crazy. He goes, you misunderstand me. He's like, he basically tells him, I want this to be the way it is forever. I've seen the waste and empty sands that swallow things up. He's like, uh, and this is about as good as it's going to be, isn't it? He's like, it may be so, he says. Um, so he's like, I want you to take this and take it into people's dreams. He's like, in exchange, I, in exchange, I never wanted to die. Can you do this to me? He's like, I can do this after a fashion. Um, he's like, well, what, is, what do we have to do? 
spell, a quest? Do I have to go on? He's like, Great D's like, no. All you need is to tell your people they follow you after all. And this is your dream. He's like, very well. Um, and he tells them, and he's like, this is, you know, who it is. Baghdad, it is his forever. Providing long as man lasts, our world will not be forgotten. And in a great shot to show the magic has happened, the the threadbare magic carpet falls from the sky and it lands on the king and, and he's laying on it and he comes out and Baghdad has changed. And like his, his, his bodyguard comes and he's like, oh, I've been looking for you all day. The heat does strange things to you. You know, it's like, let's go home. The carpet's just the carpet. Um, and he runs across Sandman in the bazaar holding the bottle city. And he's like, oh, uh, what do you have there? He's like, a bottle city. He's like, oh, beautiful. Did you construct it for sale? He's like, I did not construct it. And it was given to me. And it is no longer for fa- sale. And he's like, it's very beautiful. And Sandman's like, yes. Um, and he ends up taking away. And there's a nice shot of like of the shot on his face. And then we get another this- iconic image, that close-up shot. This one, and there's another one earlier. Mm-hmm. Right before they go to the marketplace to make the bargain, where there's close-ups of Sandman Morpheus in this issue, where he looks almost sinister. Yep. Which is not a look that we have seen on Morpheus over these last 49-plus issues, or if we have, it's very rare. Right. And um, because he was kind of summoned a little bit, and like we said, this is earlier uh a sandman so now we find out that it's been this you know old man telling a tale to a boy who's you know has a crutch and everything and he's like so what happened to this the city of baghdad and what about this and what about that and the guy's like any more coins nope any more cigarettes he's like well today that's you know that's the end of the story your mother will be and worried these are bad times in here in baghdad and you know this is 1990 one-ish, you know what I mean? Like, what was going on in Baghdad at the time? <laughs> you know, you have to remember that. And the kids ask, like, how did it work? You know, how the bargain, could the city last? And this is one where, like, little Hassan stumbles homeward, picking his way in a series of child shortcuts across the bomb sites in the rubble of Baghdad, and thoughts his stomach hurts. For fasting is easy this Ramadan, and food is hard to come by. His head is held high, his eyes are bright. For behind the eyes are the towers and jewels and the gin and the carpets and the rings and the effrets and the kings and the princes and the cities of brass. And he prays and he walks, cursing his one weak leg all the while. Praise to Allah who made all things that somewhere in the darkness of dream abids the other Baghdad that can never die and the other egg of the phoenix. But Allah alone knows all. This is a genius story, Joe. Genius Genius. I love this story. One of the best single issues of all time. Um, you know, it didn't make our cut, I think, when we did this for Todd and Joe of Issues all those many, many moons ago. Um, it should have. That's an oversight by both you and I, uh, I mm-hmm. would say. Um, this was, just so you know, this was um, 93. This would have been April of 93 when this issue came out. Right. Covered in June of 1993. Yep. Uh, discussed on the uh, April '93 <laughs> episode of Previewing the Past. <laughs> Love, I seamless. But no, um, I, I think I may have told this last week. I don't remember if I did, but we're coming around again. Uh, the best-selling issue of Sandman, um, issue fifty. Uh, Neil always said the one he gets to, to be signed the most 
at a show. This had a platinum variant. I don't know if you know about. Um, it it was like a black, and I think it just said salmon. It's really weird to look at, and had like falling stars on it. I own it. Um, but it is a really cool one. I don't know if it was a retailer incentive or it came out later. Um, but I ended up grabbing one, um, and I absolutely love it. Like I said, the statue came from it. I picked that up when I had the chance. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, one of the greatest stories ever, and I, just the way Baghdad lives on, especially in our memories. I believe this is one hundred percent a true story, Joe. <laughs> um, again, and if I recall correctly, when you know, in the early issues, when Morpheus returns back to what is left of the dreaming, um, and it's, he's making things, and he has like a little bin of things. One of them is like the Corinthian skull. And one of them is the Bottle City of Baghdad. Okay, that is issue 26 in the okay. Seasons of Mist. Right. And it's right after uh, the demons from hell show up. Like They're like, hey, we have nada. Uh, give us the key or we'll rip her apart. And he's like, yeah, pff, you thought you could take me down in my own realm? Maybe out of here, but not here. And he ends up sealing him in an orb like the one he just got or the one that he got, and he puts it in a treasure chest, and in there is, like you said, the Corinthians' head. This bottle city, which, think about that, 25 issues earlier, he just had a random bottle city, He's like, and it becomes a, st- like, throwaway. And there's also a pocket watch, which may be coming up in the next couple weeks. So, Right, and it's, it's thrown in there of the idea that Neil had ideas of where I could end things. Mm-hmm. If it only gets to issue 50, I have is- ideas where I end it. If I get to issue 75, he could have never did this issue 50. Right. And we would have never known what the story of the Bottle City of Baghdad was. Right. Or we get one of the most award-winning and best-selling single issues of the run of all time. Right. Right. <laughs> Though I keep doing this, and I hate tripping up. 19 was the most award-winning issue of Sandman, the, the Shakespeare one. This gotcha. is up there, but I'm sorry. I'm a stickler for, for being right. Listen, when it comes to the Sandman stuff, I defer to you on all counts. All right. So what do we have up next? Then? All right. Next up, we got 51 and 52, which is the beginning of a new trade, a new collection, if you're reading it that way. Uh, single issues, of course, whether it be you have the floppies like Todd and myself. Or you're reading it on the aforementioned DC Unlimited Infinite Universe app, whatever they call it. Um, it is the beginning of a new story arc entitled World's End. Right. I'm not going to tell you much more about it. Read the poll. Uh, read the uh, have issues post when it comes up uh, Thursday. Right. In a couple of weeks, when the trade is over, we'll find out if the world ends or not. Right. I have a feeling at least we're going to issue 75. Right. <laughs> but I think. Uh, world, you know, we, we talked about how kindly ones or uh, kindly ones, um, brief lives, brief lives was longer than average. You know, you think a trade typically is like five or six issues. Um, brief lives was longer. I remember, uh, uh, world's end is a little bit longer and then kindly ones trumps them all. Kindly ones. trumps. Them all. I remember world's end being only like six issues though, but I could be wrong. Hmm. I'll have to double check. But I know um, uh, Brief Lives was nine, so which was like weird for me because the storyline being nine issues. Uh, but we'll see. And I also will say that 
when I said there were three moments in Sandman that I had memorized, one was in Brief Lives, which was the flicker, flash, and fade with destruction. Uh, World's End has my second one. So I'm not going to say what issue, but when we get to it, it's one of, one of my favorite things written ever in Sandman. Okay. And yes, I stand corrected. You are... Um... Again, that's why you're here. Um, this World's End is only six issues. Right. And uh, we'll talk about it next. We'll talk about one of the things with it next week. on yep. uh, Next week and next week after. Yep. Um, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out um, our store where you can buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them uh, directly from me. Send me an email. I'll tell you I could buy them. Cut you a deal. Um, go over to our T Public store. Sale was last week. Sales coming up again in two weeks. We'll give it the hard press then. Uh, use the eBay affiliate link. Uh, it's in any of the show posts uh, for any of the episodes, any of the write-ups, any of the anything on the site. Um, doesn't cost you anything extra. It gives us a little bit of a kickback. And again, when I say a little bit of a kickback, I really mean a little bit of a kickback. <laughs> um, but the best way to support us and to get more of us is to sign up for the Patreon. Um, no tears, no wild things. It's a dollar. It's five dollars. Um, either option is going to get you the two bonus shows a month that we do, previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previous catalog, or the comic book oddities uh, where we're looking at some of the lesser known kind of pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, comic book movies. <laughs> On this past week's episode of previewing the past, we came up with not one, not two, but three three additional things to add to the list so we have quite a robust list of things to fill out if comic book oddities gets picked again for next year um i feel as though the last the most recent previewing the past uh that we did was one of our best ever five dollar folks know that because they get it earlier than the dollar folks five dollar folks also get uh Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else so they can listen to the shows in the correct listening order Right. I will say I'm with you on one of our best uh, Patreon shows. Of the previewing the past ones, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Megaforce and Dick Tracy, as we <laughs> mentioned. But, uh, you know, all good. So, that being said, uh, the last thing that we have to cover is the most recent episode of Secret Invasion. Mm -hmm. uh, the continuing Nick Fury saga. Now, I will say, I will, uh, you know, kind of eat crow as I've been doing quite a bit on this. Um, I am shocked how much Samuel Jackson is actually in this. Uh, I, I wasn't. I always thought this was his... They, they weren't going to give him a movie, they would give him this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I felt as though we're going to lead you in with Samuel Jackson, and we're going to get you to watch a Ben Mendelsohn uh, family drama, you know? Right, which I wouldn't have minded. Nope, nope. But I'm, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to it. I'm very happy with what we're getting, but, you know, go ahead. Right, so we're not going to do, like, a full bit-by-bit breakdown. It's not that sort of show, but, of course, there are bits that we do need to discuss. Um, mm -hmm. So, Gravik has the plan that he is going to have three of his top agents uh, infiltrate the Royal Navy. The Royal Navy is going to use their sub 
to attack the UN helic or the UN plane that's coming in. Obviously, now that the British have attacked the United Nations, that is going to be the catalyst to World War Three. Mm-hmm. Um, it is official, even though she had given bad intel in episode one. Here in episode three, Talos's daughter Gaia has given them good information as Talos and Gaia have the lamest, most uh, conspicuous burner phones I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so while Gaia is leading this information to Talos, uh, Graphic is trying to suss out who the traitor amongst his myths are. Uh, this is also the episode where Gravik tells the rest of the crew, and again, this is a big Todd is right episode. Mm -hmm. Aren't Uh, they all? But go ahead. Well, this is a bit, like, they all are, but this is, like, the most of them in recent Mm -hmm. memory, right? No, I'm joking, but yeah, go ahead. Um, Where Gravik tells the other members of the the Scroll High Council that what he's been working on is, is we're gonna cause World War III. That's going to bring the heroes out to try to stop it. But we're going to give ourselves superpowers. Scrolls with superpowers. We're going to become super scrolls. <laughs> I like the way you put all that together. Right. Um, so that's his grand plan behind the scenes that he just shares with the Secret Council. Uh, Nick Fury and Talos end up going and attempting to have uh, the World War Three stopped right. by going to the head of the Naval Command. Uh, who already is been or possessed by a scroll has been pl- hiding in plain sight. Uh, we did get the bit at the beginning of the episode with Nick Fury and his scroll wife, mm-hmm. and that was a very emotional scene, of course. Obviously, her, Priscilla, telling him, Nick Fury, uh, how terrible of a person he is and has been, and their relationship, and he suspects her of being a double agent working alongside Gravik, and spoilers, everyone, she is. Well, is she? We'll, mm-hmm. we'll get there. Um, there's a couple of things that, like, that popped out for me, like when Talos, like, wants his parlay with Gravik, and he gets it, and they go to, the, they go to like, the museum, and they end up having their talk, and we get... This is, like, some of my favorite stuff in this, because it's, you know, people are like, oh, we want pew pew and we want you know superpowers but them talking and them sussing out the difference between graphic and telos like he's like you know the the people who who you know the leaders don't care about our blood and you know they and the soldiers washing blood and then telos is like yeah but you don't care about whose blood like you're you're just as bad as them and it's a great bit and then when they sit down and they have the talk and like all the people are in the room and Gravik starts talking about Gaia, and I love when uh, Talos gives him the Will Smith. He's like, "Keep my daughter's name out of your mouth." Oh boy! And I, I mean, I I really liked that line before it was ruined at the Oscars. I always thought that was a great like phrase. Um, and he does it, and all the scrolls pop up, and he's like, "Okay," and they're all like in unison. I'm like, real creepy kind of a deal. I, I wanted to say, so, you know, they meet at the museum and they're just having this, like, straight-up scroll conversation, end-of-the-world, power struggle stru- talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
guys, we're having this conversation in the open, and there's just, like, regular people around. What are we doing? Right. And then they go sit down in the cafeteria to get the, you know, to have the cup of coffee. There's the bit where Gravik is pouring a ton of sugar into his coffee. Talos gives him a gentle ribbing about it. Um, and then they're continuing to talk openly, and then that moment that happens that you mentioned, where every patron that's in there is a scroll and is, is an agent alongside Gravik, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, great moment. Yep, that's one of my favorite. And then the moment where uh, Nick goes to Talos and they have the discussion and they go back and forth about what made Fury the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's like, everything you did was on the backs of my team. And I absolutely like Talos is my favorite character in all of this. And when they storm the 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 leader of the Navy or whatever's house and they go in and Nick, he's like, I've been made. And he goes in, he has to fight him. And he's like, did you get him? And he's like, yeah, Nick, I got him. Come on up. And he comes up and he storms in with the gun, you know, ready. And he's like, how'd you know? He's like, nobody calls me Nick. And Wait a minute. Todd, didn't last week you say something like that with Rhodey? Yep, Rhodey calls him Nick. And that's the thing that he says. He says to Talos, he doesn't say who. He goes, but I need to recruit you. I have a high operative who's definitely a scroll with the, you know, like, and he's in town. It's Rhodey. It's Rhodey, Joe. Did I, did, I'll say it again. So you have a nice clear uh, cut of it. <laughs> Todd was right again. Yeah, I maybe there's a bit of a swerve. You know, You never know that they're working together. But. And then there's the bit where they get they get the the the, the code to cancel the launch because Gaia helps because Gaia's really on Telos's side, and this is the one I definitely don't believe. I knew Gravik was setting her up with the whole like, hey, let me go on my burner phone from 1990, like you said, and give all the information, and then he finds out, uses it, you're the one, and he shoots her. I don't think she, I don't I don't think Amelia Clark is they burn through that contract that fast. Hmm. I think she's alive. Even though we hear the death change sound like they revert, I think she's still alive. We shall see. And I don't think Nick Fury's wife she she wants to talk to Gravik. I don't know if she's in his camp yet. Mhm. That's all. That's all I got on that. Right. Okay. So we get the bit, uh, obviously, after they're made. And, you know, we have that moment where Nick Fury's wife takes a phone call. We don't hear what's said, but, you know, he asks who that was. And she leaves and she leaves the phone there, maybe as a trap, maybe to try to set him up. No um, woman would ever do that. <laughs> um. And then after everything goes down with Gravik, finding out that Gaia has been, you know, the mole inside everything, she gets another phone call. We don't hear the side of it, but she leaves the house. She goes to the bank lockbox, and in the lockbox, all there is is a gun. She gets another phone call. They say to meet at uh, St. James Church, and she says, I need to speak to Gravik. And the person just says, you're speaking to me. And that's the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's a good show. It's a fun show. I'm glad it's only six episodes. I think if it was longer than that, it might overstay its welcome. 
Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying this so far. I agree. I, I'm I'm having a blast with this because, like I said, it's just straight up espionage. I'm all good with it. And yeah, scrolls. and scrolls, and a lot of me being right. So <laughs> that's the most important thing. Right. What are we all here for if it's not for Todd to be right? Exactly. I think that's everything, right? Yeah, that's everything. This is a big show, as they always are, but you get your money's worth. Uh, these episodes are free. So uh, thanks for hanging in there with us. Thanks for hopefully enjoying this episode. Uh, closing out episode 666 of Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.